Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, what is going on with this vaccine? Why all the lies? Now documented lies. They're actually admitting to the lies now, the CDC. I've got that story and a disturbing story about people who are super extra, super extra vax, the quadruple vax people who all of a sudden are showing some very weird characteristics. I've got that. I've got an interview I did with Donald Trump yesterday, a very specific answer he gave on these Russian mercenaries they wiped out. Very, very, very good answer. It explains a lot about what's going on. Also, coverage of Kentanji Brown-Jackson, who claims she doesn't know anything of significance at all. How she's going to rule on that in the Supreme Court then uh, is just uh, stunning. She doesn't seem to know much. Her, her words, not mine. I've also got another... A uh, piece of coverage of Project Veritas. How's that police state working out for you? Project Veritas, who's been the subject of more spying. Spying's becoming a regular thing now. Remember, we're searching for now crimes in search of people is the way it's supposed to be done. We're now, uh, we're not, you're not supposed to search people and then look for crimes later. That's not the way this whole thing works. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Let's go, Daddy O. Here we go, brother. Yes, yeah. We yes, uh-huh. we you going Hulk Hogan style? Here you Terry go. Terry Bollea style on that? Randy yeah, Savage man. style. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, was that Randy? Okay. Sorry, man. You got to work on that a little bit. I guess you got to spice you. that one up a little bit. All right. So, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen, with this vaccine? Why all the lies? Why the endless lies? Why not just tell people the truth? Here's what I'm talking about. David Gortler has a great piece up at the Federalist where the CDC, a once again trusted entity, has now become an international global laughingstock because they can't stop giving contradictory advice. The advice they do give seems to not pan out. And then they have to go back later and admit they lied about certain things they did earlier. And their motives for lying are basically you're an idiot and you wouldn't have understood it if they put it out. Here's what I mean. Federalist, you can read this article in my newsletter today, Bongino.com. Slash newsletter if you want to subscribe for free. CDC tells the New York Times that it hid COVID data for political reasons. It did, huh? The article says the CDC published the first significant data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults younger than 65. It left out the numbers for a huge portion of that population, 18 to 49-year-olds, the group least likely to benefit from extra shots. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? The agency, this is a quote, according to the Times, the CDC has been reluctant to make those figures public because they might be misinterpreted as the vaccines being ineffective. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the new dark ages of science right now. You wonder why faith in institutions and people who were previously respected has completely evaporated. They did it to themselves. They, they are exactly who you thought they were, these people. They are politicians. They are not scientists. They were afraid that the vaccine on 18 to 49-year-olds might not benefit so that they shouldn't tell you that because if they told you that, you're too stupid to interpret it and do a risk analysis for yourself. Folks, why the lies? Here, moving on. I'm gonna. There's going to be a segment on my Fox show this weekend, Saturday night, 9 p.m., by the way, about exactly this stuff. I'm not letting this story go. Daniel Horowitz has a stunning story, and I mean stunning. I'm not overselling it. About record infections in super-vaccinated United Kingdom seniors 
as double vax show negative efficacy against COVID death. Negative efficacy, meaning you're more likely for bad stuff to happen, not positive efficacy, negative efficacy. I'm sorry. There are some liberals listening. We got to go slow. Now, I know, of course, that thank, uh, thankfully we got rid of YouTube, the uh, communist tyrants, anti-science people. So we are on Rumble now, free speech platform, so we can talk about actual science. Daniel Horowitz mentions in this piece, read the piece. It's in my newsletter. Read every bit of this. That a recent study from Stanford. Joe, Stanford, you've heard of it? It's college? Yes, I have, Dan. Pretty, pretty decent place. It's, you know, yeah. like a glorified community college, maybe. Is that it? Pretty good, I heard, right? Stanford. A recent study from Stanford published in Cell might shed light on this phenomenon. Researchers observed a decreased, wait, am I reading that right? Yes, a decreased immune response to new variants amongst those vaccinated for the original strain because the shots are teaching the body to respond improperly. Quote, that's a science. Liberals, tune out. This is science. This is not for you. Go back to your hot pockets in mommy's basement. This is the science of negative efficacy of some of these vaccines, according to Stanford, to new variants. Quote, we find that prior vaccination with Wuhan HU1-like antigens, followed by infection with alpha or delta variants, gives rise to plasma antibody responses with apparent Wuhan HU1-specific imprinting manifesting as relatively decreased responses to variant virus epitopes compared with unvaccinated patients infected with those variant viruses, observed the Stanford pathologist. They note that the extent to which this causes original antigenic sin will be an important topic of ongoing study. A decreased immune response to new variants among those vaccinated for the original strain. You think that's kind of an area worth study, something we should be checking out? Given that thing, this thing's been promoted endlessly, you think it's the kind of thing we should be allowed to talk about? Not according to the commies at ScrewTube and Twitter and Facebook. You are not allowed to discuss Stanford research. We'll discuss it here. We will always discuss it here. And it's why we ban Google from our podcast. We have banned YouTube from ever carrying our content again. YouTube and Google have been banned. We will not be putting any material on these communist platforms ever, ever again. Google, most, one of the most evil companies in America right now. The lies are endless, ladies and gentlemen. And in order to keep the lies going and the gaslighting, you know what gaslighting is. I hate to repeat it, but you have to understand gaslighting. What the Democrats, liberals, and communists at YouTube and Google do all the time is they want you to believe in a false reality. And in order for you to believe in a false reality, reality, they have to lie to you, lie often, lie confidently, and isolate you from the truth. Those four things have to be present for effective gaslighting. The last part is where YouTube comes in. They have to isolate you from the truth. If you see the truth, you'll wake up. No one can be red-pilled. Google is the matrix. Google and YouTube. They need you blue-pilled all the time. So to isolate you from the truth, they ban reality. They ban science where people question things like this. They ban the Stanford study. They ban any criticism of the CDC. And then what happens? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is, what's hap this is what happens. We get a, a generation of young zombies, zombie-like lemmings, following along the latest rage. I'm for the latest thing. The latest, what's the latest thing? Masks. Here, Seattle Times, Monica Velez. Seattle students walk out of school. Demand mask mandates be reinstated. Holy Moses. When I was a kid, I am not joking. I had a bumper sticker on the back of my car. I was so proud. Thought I was a real rebel. Question authority. And man, I always question authority. Everywhere I went. I think of all those, the music I used to listen to, Rage Against the Machine. They are the machine now. This is hilarious. These lefty, these lefty hacks. You got to fight the man. They are the man now. This next generation of dopey lemming kids. We need the bad day reinstated. You can wear a mask, kids. Go right ahead. Ask mommy. Ask mommy and daddy. You can put a mask on. I need to be told what to do. I'm sorry, kids. I'd like to be nice because you're kids. And I usually stay away from kids. But you're very silly. You are being lied to. You are being played for fools. 
And if you don't wake up quick, you're going to grow up to be very dangerous adults. As you go for the latest thing in lieu of facts, reason, and rationality. (sighs) Mask hysteria. Force us to wear masks, please. This is where we are with young kids who are supposed to be the rebels. All right, moving on. I had Donald Trump on my radio show yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It was a great interview. You know, because of him, I'm not taking any credit for it. Just ask questions and he gives the answers. But we got into Trump's ambiguity when it came to foreign policy and how a lot of even establishment hacks who hate Donald Trump are starting to recognize that Trump's ability to never clearly state what he was going to do and then to seemingly, I say seemingly, change his mind at the last minute, had everybody around the world guessing. And because they were guessing about what he was going to do, they were afraid of what he was going to do. So that's why you didn't, you saw peace deals breaking out in the Middle East. That's why Russia didn't invade Ukraine. China didn't threaten as much Taiwan as they are now. It's because they didn't know what Trump was going to do. So I asked him a question about a story you all find fascinating. I get emails about it all the time. Many of you found it fascinating because you'd never heard of it before I mentioned it on this show. It's not your fault. The media, again, gaslights people and isolates you from the truth. Because the media wanted you to believe that Donald Trump was an ally with Russia, loved Vladimir Putin, which nothing could have been further from the truth, they hid this story. When Donald Trump ordered a strike on Russian mercenaries in Syria, we had an operation going on in Syria. There were some Russian mercenaries on the battlefield. There were about 200 200 mercenaries, about 90 were believed to be Russian. We told the Russians, get your people off the battlefield or they're going to be killed. The Russians said, double-barreled, family-friendly middle finger, we don't think you're going to do it. Well, Trump did it. It's nothing to scoff at. It involves death and war and destruction. It's not funny. It's not silly. But the world's an evil place and sometimes bad things have to happen. He ordered the strike. I asked him about it yesterday. What happened when you ordered that strike? I want you to listen to his answer. This is what leadership sounds like, unlike Joe Biden. Check this out. Well, I hated having to do it, but, you know, they kept taunting us and the Russians were taunting us. And uh, we gave them a warning. We said, look, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Three times. They said, I said, if you do it again, we're going to have to take action. And we took action. I was surprised they did it, and we did. We it was a lot of people. I hated, I hated to do it, but we had to. And frankly, if we didn't do it, I think they would have wiped out our people. If you want to know the truth, because you know there was a, there was a tremendous thing going on, and I don't think necessarily that was the reason. But Putin a hundred percent would not have attacked Ukraine if I were president. Meaning, if the election wasn't rigged, which it was, it was totally rigged. It's a rigged election with the mail-in ballots and every other thing they did. And if the election were where it should have been, uh, there would be no problem with inflation, with gas prices, with the economy. And even more importantly, because you see how bad this thing is spinning out of control, there would have been no problem with Ukraine and Russia. He would not have gone in. He warned them. He warned these Russians multiple times, get your people off the battlefield. They insisted on not doing it, thinking he would never follow through. They did. You understand, again, I don't make light of it. Neither did he. He said, I hated having to do it. And I appreciate that he doesn't laugh about it and try to play like He-Man about it. This is real. People died. But the world is full of evil people doing evil things. And sometimes your choices aren't good versus bad, but bad versus worse. And if bad versus worse involves a bad outcome of having to kill people and the worst outcome is Russians not taking us seriously and invading Ukraine. I'll take bad over worse any day of the week and 72 times on Sunday. He warned them. They didn't listen. He wiped them out. It was the largest loss of Russian life in American military hands in decades. But you've never heard about the story, many of you. Why? It's not your fault. You work for a living. I get an easy job. This isn't work. You never heard about it because it would have impacted the media's false, ridiculous PP tape arguments that Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump was in hock to Russia. If he was in hock to Russia and he was Vladimir Putin's best friend, why is he the president who killed the most Russian soldiers of any president in modern times in the largest loss of Russian life by American hands? That's why you didn't hear about it. But did you notice how that loss of life, significant and nothing to scoff at, 
seemed at least to have played a role. I can't get in Vladimir Putin's head, but seemed to play a role in Russia taking Donald Trump very seriously and not making a move on Ukraine on his terms during his term. They didn't know what he was going to do, folks. Strategic ambiguity. Stop talking all the time. You don't need to do what Joe Biden does and constantly highlight what you're not going to do. How is it that Trump got that and Biden doesn't? The man professes to be some big foreign policy expert, spent all this time in the United States Senate, and he can't get his head out of his butt. Strategic ambiguity. The enemy not being able to predict what you're going to do is important. Do you notice, by the way, Vladimir Putin never threatened any retaliation for that? This is incredible. Not only have many people not heard this story, but did you notice there was almost no response at all from Putin? Why? Because he was embarrassed and humiliated. He played Trump for a fool. Trump killed his people. And Putin didn't know what to do. He got wrecked. He got wrecked. And he didn't know what to do, so he shut his mouth about it. Now they're talking all over the place. Watch this with the dreadful Christian Amanpour, another peepee tape hoaxer and Russian disinformation hunter laptop goofball. But she's on CNN, perfect fit for her. She's not even a journalist. She's up there with Leslie Stahl's an embarrassment of humankind in the journalism space. But she asks Dmitry Peskov, who is Putin's right-hand man and his spokesperson, why isn't it Vladimir Putin won't discount using nuclear weapons? I want you to pay very close attention to the answer because it goes back to the Trump, uh, what I talked about with Donald Trump. They couldn't predict what Trump was going to do because he knew how to talk. Sadly, so does Peskov, too. He knows to be ambiguous. And watch Amanpour at the end. When asked the nuclear weapons question, she says, I really still don't understand what you're trying to say. That's the point, Christian. Do you get it? Ambiguity. That's why people have to keep guessing. You're not supposed to understand. Check this out. I want to know whether you are convinced or confident that your boss will not use that option. Well, we have a concept of uh, domestic security. And, uh, well, it's public. You can read all the reasons for nuclear uh, arms to be used. So if it is an existential threat for our country, then it can be used in accordance with our concept. Well, there are no other reasons uh, that were mentioned in that text. So you are basically saying only an existential threat to your country. Um, I still don't know whether I've got a, a full answer from you. And I just I'm just going to assume that President Putin wants to scare the world and keep the world on tender hooks. The verdict is in. Christian Amapur is right. I'm just going to assume he's trying to be basically ambiguous and scary for what. Yes, that's correct. Ding, 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 ding. How... Joe, am I missing something? Like the, I've again, I've only been saying this now for I don't know four years. When asked about Donald Trump's foreign policy, mm-hmm. that whether you think he's crazy, whether you think he's ignorant, or whether you think he's a genius, the results are there. I don't care what you think he is. I care what he did. I always say I don't care about the talk. I care about the do. I've been saying it for seven years on my show. If you're a regular listener, you know that. All I care about is what he did. I don't care about his tweets, and I don't care about what he said. I care about what he did. We had peace breaking out in the Middle East. Peace deals breaking out. We had no invasion of Ukraine. No immediate threatened invasion of Taiwan. We had China at the negotiating table. Not everything was peaches and cream. So had imprisonment of the Uyghurs and a communist state, surveillance state in China, and a tyrant in Russia. But they were managed. They were managed. Why? Christiana Mampour gave the answer to herself and she doesn't even know it. Maybe Donald Trump being ambiguous all the time, changing his mind at the last minute based on conditions on the ground made him unpredictable. And because he was unpredictable, they were afraid to toy with him. Amazing how the journalists walk right into it and don't even know. I got more on this coming up in a second. 
If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Just another quick update before we get to why the tide is turning in the suburbs here for Donald Trump, where it turned against him in the last election. This is huge news. It'll change everything for 2024. I want to wrap up the Russia-Ukraine segment for today. We do need an update. There's an uh, ABC affiliate over uh, ABC.net. Um, they have an affiliate over, uh, was it in Australia or whatever it is? And there's an interesting article here why Russian forces appear to be on the cusp of culminating in Ukraine. Here's what it can mean for both nations. Here's what they're getting out here. Hey, the, the, the initial phase of Russia trying to take over and moving forward in offensive actions on big cities appears to be coming to an end. Folks, they appear to be struggling for supplies, there's some stories out there. They may be struggling to feed themselves, the Russian army. I'm not sure what's true and what's not, again, given the propaganda thing. There's a possibility based on what we see from the air, though, from unbiased sources, that they are having supply problems. But this creates an interesting issue here because the article proposes, well, that may not be the best thing in the world and it may not seem as obvious. Oh, great. The Russians are going to stop their attack. Yeah, but what if they dig in and become defensive? The piece notes it would be politically difficult for President Zelensky from Ukraine to keep his military on the defensive while his people are dying and the Russians sit safely behind defensive works. In other words, they stop advancing but fortify where they are now. They note that this would require a change of strategy and tactics from the Ukrainians. That they've done very well on the defensive so far, the Ukrainians, but they note how would they perform on the offensive? Think about that. I thought about this too. You know, in my prior line of work, right, if we were to evacuate the president without going into details, there's a very specific way things would happen. And ladies and gentlemen, it is far easier to operate from a hardened defensive position where you know where the windows are, you know where the doors are, you know where you can shoot, you know where you can take cover and concealment. You can hole up there for a long time and wait for the cavalry to come and rescue you. That's far more difficult than trying to evacuate. That's far easier, excuse me, than trying to evacuate the president and taking it offensively to try to clear a hallway to get him out to get to limos. You actually have to take on people in defensive positions who are trying to attack you. They have the covering concealment. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If Russia digs in, well, the Ukrainians have an advantage right now. They know where they are and the Russians have to come and get them. They know the terrain. They know the terrain features. If the Ukrainians have to leave their fortified positions to go take on Russians in defensive positions, the Russians, even though they're new to the territory, have been sitting in these defensive positions for days. They know where the trees are, the cover, the concealment, everything. It's a fascinating question. Will the Ukrainians, if they go on offense, perform as well as they have on defense? Interesting tactical question. One more quick thing from a, a great outlet, 1945. Screenshot from one of their pieces. They say, listen, there may be a Ukraine deal. Apparently the Turks, there's some back channels going on right now about a potential Ukrainian deal. They go through a number. It's in my newsletter if you want to read all of them. But they think they know, according to the headline, what a Ukrainian peace deal could look like. They mention a number of components. One of them is interesting. One of the one I found most interesting. They're all interesting. But this I found the most interesting, that there may have to be some land exchanges. They note that this could be a really big deal and very painful. You don't want formal recognition of Russian territorial conquest because it, it disturbs the international order, as they note. Do you really want foreign nations given an international signal that all you have to do is attack a country and they're going to forfeit their land? 
But folks, I can't say enough. We are not in the territory of good and bad decisions. We're in the territory of bad and worse decisions. What's worse? Is it bad to give up the territory? Or is it worse to keep fighting? I don't have an easy answer for you. Now, we'll see how things materialize over the next few days. But they note in the piece that there's generally been a refusal to accept the use of force to redraw national boundaries. Putin's going to want something, folks. He's either going to want parts of eastern Ukraine or Crimea. And that they note if there's a Ukrainian peace deal, Russia's not going to get both. Just something for you uh, to keep in mind. Um, Okay, let me move on to my next story, because this is an important story about electoral politics. It is an election year. We have a huge midterm race coming up in 2022 and obviously another presidential race in 2024. One of the big determining factors that hurt us significantly in 2016 was a switch in the suburbs from some suburban moms who may have supported Trump, who moved over and supported Biden in uh, in 2020. I'm sorry if I said that. Very important. The Washington Examiner notes, as Paul Bedard in his piece, though, that the suburbs are now doing a dipsy-doo flipperoo, folks. This is critical. This is very important information. The suburbs switched to Trump, he notes. He now leads Biden 45 to 42 percent in a 2024 potential clash. This is huge information. If Trump were to take the lead in the suburbs, I see no mathematical possibility in a Trump-Biden rematch. No mathematical possibility of Joe Biden winning if, and that's a big if, if he were to run again. Now, stating the obvious, say there's a poll, it looks like Trump's ahead. I say the obvious because anyone can read the numbers. Just read them. That's not what I do here. What I do here is I read the numbers and I give you the why, because the why matters. The why always matters. Why is the tide turning in the suburbs? Folks, I, I believe it's got a lot to do with a couple things. One, a lot of people starting to figure out Donald Trump was right, that the world was a far peaceful, more prosperous place when Donald Trump was in office before coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus outbreak happened. And regardless of what they thought about what he said or what he did, it was what happened that actually mattered. I think they're starting to realize that. But second, the Democrats, you can always count on Democrats to get in their own way every single time. Here's what I mean. In the culture wars, the Democrats are in really, really, really bad shape, and they don't even see it. They keep doubling down on nonsense. There is a bill in Florida. It is a parents' rights bill. It prevents uh, schools from indoctrinating kids with sexually inappropriate material from kindergarten to third grade. The bill is incredibly popular. The Democrats keep referring to this bill as a don't-say-gay bill which is a debunked a fact, uh, conservative fact checkers who actually do fact checking have already discredited that has nothing to do with not saying gay at all. But here you go. You have companies like Disney and others doubling and tripling down in defense of a bill, uh, excuse me, against a bill that doesn't exist. There is no don't say gay bill. Parents across America and the suburbs are seeing this. They're not falling for it anymore. They're waking up that the destruction of our culture and your kids' education is strictly the domain of the Democrats. Here, check this out. Here's a bunch of Disney employees claiming it's a don't say gay bill, ironically walking down the street saying gay. So if it's a don't say gay bill, why are they not under arrest? Check this out. Now, again, please, did Disney keep destroying your company, keep supporting a bill, that would be uh, include the indoctrination of kids with sexually inappropriate material from kindergarten to third grade. Disney, keep doing that as people dump Disney Plus, avoid your parks and avoid your movies because you've become an anti-family friendly company now. You now clearly dislike families. Um, you you promote the, the disgusting sexual indoctrination of kids. That's really gross for Disney. And uh, keep having your employees walk out and lie about it. That the bill says don't say gay. It doesn't say anything about that. That's not even in the bill. Look it up. And it's kind of weird because they're in the street saying gay. I thought they weren't allowed to do it. Here, I'm, I'm gonna, I got to get to a spot, but I want you, I'm going to play this first too. Here's another one. Showing you how ridiculous this has been and how this is blowing up in Disney's face. 
was it Chapek, the new CEO, who doesn't have the cojones to stand up and say, we're not taking a position on this or, or even better, we stand with Ron DeSantis against the sexual indoctrination of kids in kindergarten through third grade. This has gone, no, it's destroying Disney's business. Here they had a massive protest, Joe. Did you see this massive <laughs> Disney, but not just the one you saw, a massive protest by Disney employees at the park yesterday. I uh, walked in here, check out news coverage of it. It's been a little difficult to get a handle on how many Disney workers actually did walk off the job. But I can tell you, monitoring ride uh, times, the waits for rides, as well as social media, it doesn't look like the walkout had any big impact on park operations today. At the Disney entrance at Hotel Plaza Boulevard Tuesday, lone cast member Nicholas Moldonado protested Disney's response to what critics call Florida's don't say gay. One guy, the lone, is that the lone rangers, the lone, lone protester, one guy. Good job, Disney. Flush your entire business model down the, down the toilet, making up fairy tales about a bill in Florida to protect kids. Good job, Disney. Reminds you of how dumb these people are. They fall for a, a crew of about 20, 30 people, blue check marks on Twitter, who make up a fairy tale about a bill, and these idiots fall right in the trap every single time. You want to know why they're losing the suburbs? There you go. Parents around the country are like, nah, that's not appropriate material for my kids. We're good. I got more on this too. Do you know the Democrats are terrified that the infrastructure bill Biden claims to pass may be spent on infrastructure? And you're wondering why they're losing the birds. Wait till you hear the reason why. Coming up next, don't go anywhere. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So getting back to the show, why are the Democrats getting now eaten alive in the suburbs with a massive switch from Biden to Trump? I'm just giving you the polls, ladies and gentlemen. Numbers and data matter. Well, because of things like this, too. This was from Politico Playbook today. Remember Biden's infrastructure plan that he's been talking about, Joe? It's $550 billion plan. He loves this thing. Talks about it all the time. Well, a playbook notes, and this is playbook. I mean, these are as far lefty as they get, right? They note that Biden sold last year's $550 billion plan for new infrastructure spending by promising it'll spur transformative climate and equity programs nationwide. That's weird. I thought it was an infrastructure bill. Call me crazy. The problem, Joe, the states control most of the cash from the bill and may not share his goals of tackling climate change or reversing the effects of institutionalized racism. (laughs) So, So Democrats are terrified that an infrastructure bill may be spent on infrastructure and not institutionalized racism or tackling, tackling climate change. They're upset about that. And you wonder why people in the burbs who may be having issues with their local infrastructure are losing, are are running away from the Democrat party in droves. So just to be clear, you're telling them their kids should be taught that they're racist oppressors. You're telling them that their kids should be sexually indoctrinated with inappropriate material while they're in kindergarten. And you're telling them that infrastructure doesn't mean infrastructure. It means reversing the effects of institutionalized racism. Gee, I can't. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know why they're losing reasonable, rational suburban parents. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I just can't figure it out. Can weird. you? It's just so bizarre. Weird. So weird. Here, yeah, yeah. Look what, happened, look what happened in New Jersey. He said, look what happened in Virginia. Even better, New Jersey, a state that voted double digits overwhelmingly for the Democrats in the last presidential. Here's a guy who gets it. We haven't done one of these in about a week or so. You know we love Ron DeSantis. Here's another episode of Ron DeSantis Strikes Again. He said they don't learn, these Democrats. They don't learn. They can't learn. Folks, they are incapable of learning. They are incapable. 
They have been gaslit. It's like the kids in the Seattle Times story in the beginning walking out of school because someone has to tell them to wear a mask when they could wear a mask of their own volition. That's how dumb liberals have gotten. Here's Ron DeSantis talking about this, uh, this bill that he passed, which thankfully prevents the sexual indoctrination of kindergartners. And he gets it. He understands that he's appealing to parents across the country who don't want this stuff. You want to talk about sex? You can talk about it with your kids. I don't want any teacher telling my kid about inappropriate stuff in kindergarten and third grade or any grade for that matter. Here's Ron DeSantis. Check this out. I would just tell people it's a free country. Do what you believe in. But understand, if you are out protesting this bill, you are by definition putting yourself in favor of injecting sexual instruction to five, six, and seven-year-old kids. I think most people think that's wrong. I think parents especially think that's wrong. You know, I, I listen, we can, we laugh around the Santa strikes again. It's, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, we mean it, but, you know, we do it to kind of lighten up the show a little bit. But this is a guy who really gets it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, I, I, I don't need to hang out with him. I don't need to be buddy-buddy with him. I like him a lot, personally. I think he's a great guy. And he's been, uh, he's been a great leader for Florida. But we have this need sometimes to lionize these people. I don't care what they say as much as I care what they do. The difference with DeSantis is it's nice. It's a cherry on top if you do it and you say it right, too. DeSantis understands the messaging fight. And it's why he won. I mean, won in overwhelming, dominating fashion and beat the leftists at their own messaging game what they call falsely a don't say gay bill, which really protects kids against sexual indoctrinations. Why he won. Folks, it's a troubling story. I'm going to get to Kentaji Brown Jackson in a moment. She is not qualified for the Supreme Court. She said so. I don't, don't take my word for it. It's not a, me trying to disparage her. She said it herself. She's not qualified. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know what a woman is. She doesn't know what CRT is or claims to not. Doesn't know when life begins. Uh, she, uh, I don't know, but that's not a person I want in the Supreme Court. Sorry, I'll get to that in a second, but I wanted to play this first. Uh, James, Ver- James uh, O'Keefe's group, Project Veritas, has been under ruthless assault for exposing the left for a long time. You know, they got a hold of Hunter Biden's, uh, uh, no, uh, one of the daughters, Ashley Biden, the grand- Joe Biden's granddaughter. They got a hold of her diary. They got a hold of it from all accounts legally. And the FBI and the deep state apparently have been after James O'Keefe for a long time. O'Keefe released a video yesterday. It's about a minute of it. That is stunning, folks. That apparently, apparently, even though they were ordered to stop surveilling James O'Keefe and reading his stuff by a judge, they then went and got secret warrants to spy on him again. You know, I want you to listen to it in a second, but one of the hallmarks of a totalitarian regime is they don't investigate crimes in search of people. They investigate people in search of crimes. I said it in the beginning of the show. I was a police officer and a federal agent for a long time. People walk into the police precinct all the time. I was robbed. What do you go? You go and investigate the crime and you try to find the person that did it. No one walks into a police station except for a liberal tyrant who wants to spy on someone and says, investigate my neighbor, Bob. Why? What happened? I don't know. You'll find something. That is clearly what happened with Project Veritas. The Biden administration doesn't like this guy because he did journalism. They don't like real journalism. And they made sure somebody found something on him and they're still looking. Here, watch this. Project Veritas has just obtained documents showing the SDNY was spying on Project Veritas journalists well before the FBI raided the homes of our journalists last November, secretly reading our emails, concealing that from the court in our case against the SDNY. In November 2021, the FBI raids our homes and seizes 47 electronic devices, including cell phones, laptops, and thumb drives. Within five days, U.S. District Court Judge Annalisa Torres ordered the Southern District of New York to pause its review of my devices and within a month ordered the SDNY to turn our seized materials over to a special master who had supervised the SDNY's review to protect our First Amendment and journalistic privileges. Recently obtained legal documents from Microsoft Corporation reveal that despite Judge Torres's orders, 
Between November 2020 and April 2021, the Department of Justice went to six magistrates and obtained a series of secret warrants, orders, and a subpoena to surreptitiously collect privileged communications and contacts of eight American journalists, myself included, from Microsoft. Sounds like they're investigating a person, a person looking for a crime, not, not, the, other, not the other way around. You know, not to wade too deep into these waters, but if you had to ask someone, unlike the left, that can't define what a woman is because they pretend to be idiots. If you had to ask a conservative, any smart conservative will tell you, they may not use the exact words, but what are the hallmarks of totalitarianism and tyranny? One of them, which I've said often, is there is no distinction between the private and the public self. There is no private time. You can't say in private, gosh, I hate Joe Biden. You can't say that. You say that in a totalitarian country, they come looking for you. You say, I hate Kim Jong-un. You find yourself in the gulag, if not dead. You thought you were saying it privately. Nothing's private. Everything's public. There is no distinction between the private and public self. But the other hallmark is exactly that. When you need to make an enemy out of someone, you investigate that person in search of a crime. You don't need a crime to happen to investigate someone. I would nail down those two pegs as hallmarks of a totalitarian regime. Okay, um, let me get to my last sponsor. And then what I want to do is I want to go through just a couple of quick sound pieces from Kentaji Brown Jackson's dreadful hearing yesterday. Uh, the woman, yes, she is a woman. She doesn't know that, but she's a woman. I said I have to tell her this. She doesn't know how to determine if she's a woman. I, she said it. I'm not kidding. You, you heard the cut, Joe. She doesn't know she's a woman. Um, the, the woman is not qualified for the Supreme Court. She said it herself. And, and any Republican that votes for her should, uh, should be hum- absolutely humiliated. It's really an embarrassment right here. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, so yes, Judge Jackson is clearly, uh, clearly not qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Again, she said so. Here's what I mean. She was asked a very, very simple question by Senator Marsha, Senator Marsha Blackburn yesterday up at the uh, confirmation hearing. And... Kentaji Brown Jackson, like an, a, a number of liberals out there, claims to not know what a woman is. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what a woman is and don't understand the value of the XX versus XY chromosome, you don't understand what the biological parts of a female are and the differences between male and female and sexual dimorphism, you do not belong on any court. You don't belong on that. What was that show, Joe, in the 90s family court or the 80s? What was that show? Uh, Night Court. Night Remember court. Night Court with Bull? You don't belong on yes. Night Court. That's a show. It's not even real. You don't know what a woman is? There's only two solutions here. Either this woman, Kentaji Brown, is incredibly ignorant and has no business being on the Supreme Court, or I don't believe that's true. The latter. She's a liar and he'll say anything to get on the court. And in that case, I don't want to be sitting in judgment in front of this woman. Check this out. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. She's not a biologist. She doesn't know what a woman is. So just to be clear, so um, if she is confirmed, which because we have a bunch of rhinos in the party, a couple will probably vote for her. They won't even need a tiebreaker. So if she is confirmed, Joe, don't you think it's fair she should recuse, she should recuse herself from any case involving sexual discrimination against women? Yeah. I mean, it's only she doesn't know what it is. I think so. She just said it. I'm, I'm, I mean, me and Joe, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, shouldn't she said nothing? She doesn't know what it is. She just said she has no idea what a woman is. She doesn't know. She's not a biologist. So maybe a biologist should have the hearing, not her. They should, she should recuse herself and let a biologist sit in. Folks, she's either ignorant or a liar. 
it's clear listening to her talk, she's not ignorant. You can figure out the rest. She's not qualified to be on the Supreme Court. She doesn't know what a woman is. She claims not to know when life begins either. It's pretty simple, right? I have a 100% success record uh, with betting that life begins at conception. Every human being I know, Joe, do you know any on planet Earth? Every human being has been conceived, right? Conception, everyone? Yeah, now, I not know. every conception, everybody. <laughs> Joe's at 100% too. <laughs> Gee, you too? Every human being you know was conceived, correct? He's shaking his head, folks. Yeah, that's a yes. So they were three for three on that front. Now, not every conception results in a live birth, but every single live birth is the result of conception. Okay? So I'm pretty good with that. Kentaji Brown-Jackson claims not to know when life begins. So again, if she has no idea when life actually begins, how can she pretend to legislate on anything that involves abortion? She should recuse herself from that, too. She doesn't know what a woman is either. So sex-selective abortion cases definitely can't be a part of that. Here, listen to this silly answer. Check this out. When does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Folks, this is a woman. Yes, a woman. She doesn't know it, but I do. Who is completely unqualified to be on the Supreme Court. You don't know when life begins? Sure. Folks, it gets worse. Kentaji Brown-Jackson, who's spoken about CRT, sits on the board of a school that implemented CRT and is a very smart person. Don't believe the ignorant part. I, I propose it as an option because I don't want to believe she's a liar. I'd rather her be ignorant. She's not. She claims to be clueless about CRT, too. Well, Ted Cruz was having none of that. She doesn't know what CRT is, which is weird because at one point she said it's taught in law school. You went to law school. You're a lawyer. Here's Kentaji Brown-Jackson playing dumb again and Ted Cruz saying, eh, not so much. Check this out. I've never studied critical race theory and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. So so with respect, I, I find that a curious statement uh, because um, you gave a speech in April of 2015 uh, at the University of Chicago in which you described the job you do as a judge. And you said sentencing is just plain interesting because it melds together myriad types of law, criminal law, and of course, constitutional law, critical race theory. So you described in a speech to a law school what you were doing as critical race theory. Uh, and so I guess I would ask, what, what did you mean by that when you gave that speech? So just to be clear, again, the woman is either ignorant or a liar. She's not dumb. You figure out the rest. She says, I don't know what CRT is. I'm not familiar with it, but CRT is taught in law school. She went to law school and gave a speech at a law school where she mentioned CRT. And we're supposed to just believe this is a person who's a law. Folks, you go in front of her in the Supreme Court and you are not a liberal. You have zero, zero chance of winning your case. This is not, I repeat, not someone qualified to be on the Supreme Court. One last one. Very disturbing. The fact checkers have tried have tried. Remember, whatever the fact checkers tell you is false, you should be guaranteed it's true because it's, it's a political argument. They're trying to, they sense some danger here. Kentaji Brown Jackson, in many cases, has been very lenient with sentencing for people possessing child pornography. The scum of society. That's pretty gross, isn't it? Well, Josh Hawley questioned her yesterday, and she apparently said in the sentencing of a case here, according to Hawley, that the 18-year-old had possession of pornography of his peers? They were eight-year-olds. Not exactly your peers. To the Joe Biden. Here, watch this. This is you to the defendant. You were, you were viewing sex acts between children who were not much younger than you. And this whole discussion is about why you're only giving him three months. Judge, he was 18. These kids are eight. I don't see in what sense they're peers. I've got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a 16-month-old at home. And I live in fear that they will be exposed to, let alone exploited, in this kind of material. I don't understand you saying to him that they're peers and that therefore you were viewing sex acts between children who are not much younger than you and that that's that's somehow a reason to only give him three months. Help me understand this. 
Yeah, help me understand it too, because it's kind of disgusting. Eight-year-olds are not peers to 18-year-olds, especially eight-year-olds on film or picture involved in sexual activity. Those aren't peers. It's disgusting. They're eight. This is a woman, clearly, woman, clearly not qualified, again, to be on the Supreme Court. She said it herself. Doesn't know what a woman is. Unfamiliar with the contours of CRT. Doesn't know when life begins. Clearly not qualified. Clearly. Let me end on a good note today after that disaster yesterday. So, folks, retail theft is on the rise in liberal states like California. It doesn't happen as much down here in Martin County in Florida where I am. The sheriff down here, Snyder, is a no BS guy. People love him. People love him because they do this crazy thing, Joe. They enforce the law. You go in a store down here, you get caught shoplifting. I promise you are going to jail and probably for a long time. Does it happen? Of course, but it doesn't happen a lot. And if you call the sheriff down here and you get you catch someone in your store uh, uh, stealing things, they're going to jail. Not in California, where you're practically celebrated and given a VIP ticket back to the store if you clean the store out and steal things from them. Well, I want to give a hat tip to this guy. This is uh, outside of Oakland in a Walgreens. There was a guy who had just ripped the store off. So this one guy decided he had enough. He told someone, take my phone. I'm going to stop this guy at the door and film it, I guess, for liability reasons. This guy's stealing stuff and I'm not going to let him go. You know what? I mean it. I'm not kidding. To this guy, you're my hero of the day. I'm going to try to get this guy on my Fox show. You're my hero of the day. You haven't done one in a long time. You know, he risks being sued. He risks in California, probably get locked up himself. But he risked it all. But you know what? He said, this isn't happening with me here. This is wrong. And I'm not going to let it happen. You decide what risk you're willing to take on your own. I totally understand it. Not everybody should do this. But this guy clearly said enough of the BS. He stopped the guy at the door and at least held him for a little while. Maybe it'll force this guy to think twice when he does this again. The only way this is going to stop in California is when more people stand up and do the right thing. Check this out. Get in there, blow me. Get out of me. That's your boy? Leave him alone. Should I record the car? By the way, I don't know this guy. We're trying to get in touch with him. But it appears to me, watching the video, you probably saw it too, Joe. He looks like he has some wrestling or yeah. grappling experience. He's he, a pretty, he does a pretty good takedown. And if you watch the full video, which we don't have time for, he actually mounts the guy in what looks like a pretty standard jujitsu mount. Good stuff. Watch the video on Rumble, rumble.com slash Bongino. If you, you probably just heard the audio if you're listening. It's worth your time. This is when it'll stop, when more people start to stand up. All right, thanks again for tuning in, folks. Please don't miss my Fox show. We were uh, number one in the demo and overall this week in primetime. I really appreciate your support of the show, Unfiltered. Saturday night at 9, we're going to have some medical professional on. I'm working on someone to discuss that vaccine story. The super vaxxed having real problems right now in the UK. We're going to have that and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. I will see you all on the radio show a little bit later. You just heard Dan Bongino.